bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these big signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, May 28th, 2013. I hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend. I'll start this week's podcast with news from Washington, D.C., where lawmakers last week reintroduced the Hurricane Sandy Tax Relief Act. The legislation is modeled after a similar bill passed in the wake of Hurricane Katrina and, among other things, would provide supplemental new market tax allocation authority that for investments in community development entities that serve the Hurricane Sandy disaster area, as well as increased low-income housing tax credit allocation authority for declared disaster areas. In our historic tax credit discussion, I'll review the status of the Supreme Court's consideration of the historic boardwalk hall case. There is breaking news this morning. I'll also share news about bipartisan letters sent from members of Congress to the IRS calling for expedited guidance for the historic tax credit community to help counteract the chilling effect that the historic boardwalk hall case has had on historic redevelopment. And finally, I have several state historic tax credit updates. In our new market tax credit section, I have positive news from Louisiana, where legislation progressed last week that if passed would improve and increase the state's new markets tax credit. Then, in our long monthly tax credit segment, I'll remind listeners of an important upcoming deadline to submit comments to the Financial Accounting Standard Board's Emerging Issues Task Force, that's FASB EITF, and that's about proposed amendments to the accounting rules for low-income housing tax credit investments. I'll also share an update from Massachusetts, where legislation advanced earlier this month that would provide additional funds for housing production. And finally, in our Renewable Energy Tax Credit discussion, I'll share the findings of a report that describes the Department of Defense's solar energy development plans and the opportunity they represent for the renewable energy community. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, I note that the House Representatives is out this week. They have district work periods, as well as the U.S. Senate, as they have their state work periods. That said, last week, a bipartisan coalition of lawmakers introduced the Hurricane Sandy Tax Relief Act of 2013 in the House. H.R. 2137 would provide tax relief for Hurricane Sandy victims in areas designated as federal disaster areas. The tax package includes supplemental new market tax allocation authority for investments in CDEs serving Hurricane Sandy disaster areas and additional local housing tax allocation authority for Hurricane Sandy disaster areas. The legislation is modeled after a similar bill that was passed into law in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. That legislation, the Gulf Opportunity Zone Act, or Go Zone Act, provided additional new market tax credit allocation authority. It also temporarily increased the amount of local housing tax credits available for affected areas and allowed the affected areas to be treated as difficult to develop areas for local housing tax credit properties placed in service within a certain period of time. Now, the Hurricane Sandy Tax Relief Act of 2012 
included similar proposals for affected areas. However, that bill died in committee last year, and it was officially dead when the previous session of Congress adjourned in December. Representative Frank Lobiondo said in a press release that while the physical signs of Hurricane Sandy are being repaired, families and small businesses are still affected by the natural disaster. Upon introduction, H.R. 2137 was referred to the House Ways and Means Committee. At the time of this recording, the bill had 28 co-sponsors. The text of the bill will be posted to the New Market Tax Credit Resource Center and to the Affordable Housing Resource Center as soon as it becomes available. In historic tax credit news, the Supreme Court justices met last week to decide whether to take the historic boardwalk hall case. As of this morning, the breaking news is they decided no. The Supreme Court will not review the historic boardwalk hall case. As such, the appellate decision stands. All eyes will now continue to be focused on the IRS and potential pending guidance. Now, to that end, last week, a bipartisan group of 28 Congress members sent a letter to Treasury Secretary Jack Lew in support of the historic rehabilitation tax credit. The letter urged the Internal Revenue Service to issue guidance within the next 60 days on allowable partnership structures for the historic tax credit. Now, as our listeners know, we, we do understand that the IRS is moving down that path. Now, in the congressional letter, legislators noted that momentum of the historic tax credit program has suffered because of uncertainty that's been caused by the historic boardwalk hall decision. The letter also cites a lack of, and I quote, there's a lack of clear guidance, close quote, delineating acceptable alternative partnership structures, and the lack of that guidance has slowed down the economic activity from historic tax credit developments. Now, I note that those signing on the letter include Select Revenue Subcommittee Chairman Pat Tiberi, as well as Senate Finance Committee member Chuck Schumer. Representatives Betty McCollum and Nikki Zongas have also sent similar letters requesting expedited guidance for the historic tax credit community. Now, it is encouraging to see this congressional support of the historic tax credit program, and this support shows the effectiveness of tax credit advocacy efforts. Now, you can find the letters at www.historictaxcredits.com. I also invite you to join us in discussing the effects of the historic boardwalk hall case and related issues at the Novogratic Historic Tax Credit Conference. That's going to be held in Detroit, September 19th and 20th. I also encourage you to stay up to, up to speed on news, breaking news particularly, by signing up for Novogratic's free industry alert email service. You can subscribe online at www.novaco.com. Now let's turn to state-level updates. Last week was a busy week for state historic tax credits. In Louisiana, the Senate voted to refer Walter Leger, Bill HB 630, to the Senate Finance Committee. The measure would ensure the continuation of Louisiana's historic rehabilitation tax credit. The bill's referral to committee is consistent with the Senate's precedent this session on bills with fiscal impact greater than $100,000. In Minnesota, lawmakers passed legislation to extend the state's historic structure rehabilitation tax credit until 2021. That's instead of its previous 2015 sunset. According to Finance and Commerce, 
a daily Minnesota business publication, the extension is expected to result in $25.5 million in credits in 2016 and 2017. The bill also changed the application fees allowable under the program. Instead of the previous flat fee of $5,000, the State Historic Preservation Office, or SHPO, of the Minnesota Historical Society is now allowed to collect an application fee of 0.5% of qualified rehabilitation expenditures. That's up to $40,000. And finally, the Missouri legislature officially ended its 2013 session on May 17th. Now, despite the months-long effort of numerous legislators, legislation that would have included deep cuts to the Missouri Historic Tax Credit, as well as deep cuts to the state long housing tax credit, effectively died with the legislature's adjournment. Despite this reprieve, the ongoing debate in Missouri is projected to continue, so listeners should expect to hear more from Missouri about this topic. In new market tax credit news, earlier this month, the Louisiana House passed the Louisiana New Markets Jobs Act. If enacted, the proposed legislation would replace the state's existing new markets tax credit with one that supporters say would include adjustments to better fit the state's fiscal situation. The current program provides a 25% credit on income or franchise tax returns for qualified low-income community investments, or QUILICIs. If enacted, House Bill 726 would provide a 45% tax credit that could be claimed against the insurance premium tax, and it would be claimed as follows, 0% for the first three years and 15% for the next three years, and then 0% thereafter. The law proposes a total of $110 million of investment authority for which the state's Department of Revenue would begin accepting applications on August 1, 2013. That for allocation and certification of up to $55 million of qualified equity investments or QEIs. Allocation of the balance of $55 million would be available starting with an application process beginning next year, August 1, 2014. Under current law, the maximum allowable amount of qualified low-income community investments, QUILICIs, made in a business is $7.5 million. The New Marcus Jobs Act would bump or raise the cap up to $10 million. These proposed changes are welcome news for tax credit advocates and business owners. An increase in Louisiana state New Marcus tax credit and per-project cap could increase the impact of projects by qualified low-income community businesses. The bill's sponsor, Speaker Pro Tem, Walter Leger expects the credit to protect Louisiana's jobs and bring $1 billion in investment to the state. The Louisiana House bill passed 66 to 33. House Bill 726 has since been referred to the Senate Committee on Revenue and Fiscal Affairs. You can find a copy of the bill at www.newmarketscredits.com. In low-income housing tax credit news, Listeners are reminded that the deadline is nearing to submit comments on the Financial Accounting Standard Board's Emerging Issue Task Force's exposure draft of proposed amendments that would modify the conditions that an entity is required to meet in order to use the effective yield method of accounting for long-term housing tax credit investments. Now, most notably, the changes would mean that a guarantee would not, that's right, a guarantee would not be required in order to use the effective yield method. The affordable housing community is excited about this proposed change because allowing the expanded use of effective yield account aid would expand the pool of potential long-term tax credit investors. It does this by providing a better measure of the impact of the long-term tax credit 
on a company's income statement. Now, affordable housing tax credit stakeholders are encouraged to submit a comment letter supporting these changes to the FASB before the June 17th deadline. We also know that a number of other tax credit programs could also be affected, so we expect to see comments from new market tax credit participants as well as from renewable energy tax credit participants, and I should also add historic tax credits as well. You can read more about the proposal on my blog at novagradic.wordpress.com. There are links to related materials and background information online at www.novaco.com. Simply click on the Hot Topics button and then the Tax Credit Accounting link. And if you have questions about the proposed changes, contact my partner, Bentley Stanton, in our Atlanta office. In other affordable housing news, the Massachusetts Joint Committee on Housing advanced a bill earlier this month that would provide additional funds for housing production. The $1.4 billion housing bond bill has several provisions. Among other things, H3464 would extend the state loan housing tax credit at $20 million annually for five additional years. Other provisions of the bill include $500 million for public housing modernization, $80 million in grants or loans to the Housing Innovations Trust Fund, and $305 million for the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. The legislation was originally filed as two separate bond bills, H1127 and H3333. The two versions of the bill merged after a public hearing on both bills last month. The Joint Committee on Housing has referred it to the House Committee on Bonding, Capital Expenditures, and State Assets. A hearing on the bill is scheduled for June 3rd. If the bill passes, it would be a step towards protecting the state's public and affordable housing stock. You guessed it. You can find a copy of the bill at www.taxcredithousing.com. In renewable energy tax credit news, the Solar Energy Industries Association, or SIA, recently released a report that's titled Enlisting the Sun, Powering the U.S. Military with Solar Energy. The report details the Department of Defense's commitment to solar energy development, and it notes the role of the federal investment tax credit in some of those efforts. CEO reports that the DOD is one of the largest energy consumers in the world. In the past year, the DOD spent more than $20 billion on energy and consumed more than $5 billion, or should say 5 billion gallons, of oil. At the time of the report, the military had more than 130 megawatts of operating solar projects at Navy, Air Force, and Army bases in at least 31 states plus Washington, D.C. These solar power projects are part of the U.S. military's efforts to increase its use of solar energy. Each branch of the armed forces has outlined renewable energy targets that will produce 3 gigawatts of renewable energy installations by the year 2025. Those targets were designed to meet a wider DOD mandate that requires 25% of total facility energy consumption come from renewable energy sources by 2025. As the DOD expands its renewable energy portfolio, it will create opportunities for developers to work with the military on future solar projects. The DOD uses an array of solar energy sources and photovoltaic installations account for 58% of the 1.9 gigawatts of identified DOD renewable energy capacity additions from 2012-2017. The Navy, Air Force, and Army have all been actively adding solar facilities into their portfolios. Now let's take a look and see what each branch 
is doing. The Navy plans to obtain 50% of its energy from renewable sources. Now, this far exceeds the DOD's 25% by 2025 mandate. Solar makes up a significant share of the Navy's current renewable energy portfolio. As of early 2013, there are more than 58 megawatts of solar energy facilities operating at Navy bases. The Air Force has been implementing solar energy in its practices as well. For example, Hickam Air Base in Honolulu, Hawaii, installed and interconnected 3.4 megawatts of solar electricity to 2,000 homes. And the Army has installed 36 megawatts of solar electricity in Army bases across at least 13 states. The Army is currently working on two 20-megawatt solar developments, one at Fort Irwin, California, and one at Fort Bliss, Texas. The DOD has financed many of its solar installations with Power Purchase Agreements, or PPAs. As a non-taxable entity, the military can't use tax credits. But under a PPA arrangement, a renewable energy developer retains ownership of the system and monetizes the tax credits through an investor. This allows the military to work with developers to leverage the benefits of the federal investment tax credit and use the value of on-site solar generation. In addition, these developments create opportunities in the community and inject monies into the economy. You can read a full report online at www. SCIA.org. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novoco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.